The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, James Murphy, and hopefully you're having a phenomenal Monday morning, evening, or afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully you've had a good weekend and you had a fantastic time enjoying the beautiful weather outside. Currently, the Bruins are in Game 2 of their Stanley Cup playoff round against the Washington Capitals. The game is currently in intermission. I wanted to kind of record this episode during the game. However, I was a little late or a little early, depending on your point of view. Right now, I am currently watching the Nashville Pre- Predators and the Carolina Hurricanes, and I could give two flying shits about that game, but it is what it is. Right now, the Bruins are tied with the said Capitals, 2-2 two to two at the end of the first. Bruins lost a tough, tough game one on Saturday. Oh my goodness, was it brutal. And I will get into that in a moment, but let me just quickly update you on the current Game 2 that we have on hand. We've seen goals by Patrice Bergeron and Jake DeBrusque, with DeBrusque scoring in Games 1 and 2. So it's nice to see him get a little offense flowing. Tuka Rask has been pounded with 18 shot attempts by the Capitals, saving 16, obviously allowing the two goals that we've seen scored by the Caps. And speaking of the Capitals, they have had goals from Garnett Hathaway and TJ Oshie. I don't know about you, but TJ Oshie is definitely a force to be reckoned with, and he has been for some time now. He's been very aggressive early in this series. But honestly, this entire Capitals team has been so aggressive. And like I alluded to, I will get to it a little further, but the aggressive physicality that the Capitals play or like to play at is just something that is not the Bruins' play style. And I will kind of dive into it later on when I talk about how Game 1 was so crucial for them to win. Just how the game played out in terms of the Capitals losing their starting goalie, the Bruins being able to kind of go punch for punch with them in terms of goal scoring, taking all of the hits, surviving all of the tough brutality that they endured in Game 1, and then unfortunately losing that game in overtime obviously in the playoffs there's no pity points for the losing team in overtime it is just a win or a loss nothing else and obviously with these first two games in the nation's capital that just makes these two games that much more important because you do not want to go back to boston down to nothing if you can squeak one of these games out steal home home ice advantage 
walk away 1-1 to make it a best of five. That is obviously ideal, especially at this point. However, if we're thinking about the start of the series, which is something I wish I kind of mentioned on Friday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, I wish I kind of mentioned how being able to just steal one game will be a win for the series, you know, obviously coming back to Boston, like I just mentioned, being able to steal that home ice advantage from the Capitals where the next two games will be in Boston. However, as the Bruins are currently down zero games to one as we about to start the second period, game tied at 2-2, the Capitals lead the series 1-0. And so far in this game, a lot of goal scoring. It seems like defense is just something that doesn't exist anymore. And Honestly, this is just how the whole series has been between the two teams, not just in the playoffs, but throughout the whole regular season, all eight games that we've seen them play together. It has been a lot of scoring at high volumes, a lot of games decided by two, three, four goals, or we've seen a lot of games um, from one team scoring three, four, five, six goals. So defense is definitely something that is uh, at a premium right now because there is a lack of it. But offense is definitely something that comes around, and it comes around pretty quickly, and it comes around really often. And is that the kind of play style we want the Bruins to play? I would say so, because the alternative is the aggressive physicality that I alluded to uh, at the top of the, the episode. That is not the Bruins' play style. The Bruins cannot keep up with a team that is rough and rowdy, that's going to hit you into the boards 30 times a night, 40 times a night, and you're going to walk away bruised, fatigued, possibly injured. It's That's just not the Bruins. They're not built like that anymore. They're not those tough, gritty Bruins from like the 2011, 12, 13, you know, the early 2010s that we saw the Bruins with like Sean Thornton and Milan Lucic. They're more of a fast-paced, control the puck in the opponent's zone, get good passes, and look for the open shot. That's their form. That's their style, and they're going to pound that into you, and they're going to beat you by a thousand needles instead of just one massive blow like the Capitals. They headhunt. They will hit you hard. We've seen Oshie. We've seen Ovechkin. We saw even Zidane Chara obviously get in there and, and hit his former players. That's just what the Capitals do. That's their style, and that's how they've had so much success, not just this year, but in years past as well. When they won the Cup just a couple years ago in 2018, they did the same exact thing. They did the same exact thing that they've been doing for years now, and this is nothing new. <laughs> Better late than never, but I just noticed that I didn't have my mic fully set up to my computer when I was recording this episode. I am currently in Buffalo, which I was going to get into in just a little bit, but I want to talk about the Bruins first. But I just kind of happened to pause and to listen back real quick, and the audio was completely off, and I was like, oh my goodness, my mic isn't hooked up. It's not set up. It is now, so the audio is going to be crisp, clean, like you know and love, unlike the first five or so minutes of this episode. So please don't flame me. Please don't come after me for having a uh, pissful setup or you know not being due diligent with my work. I do apologize for that. Anyways, as I was talking about the Capitals, um, just the, you know the way that they play. I, I know I left off Tom Wilson. How can I leave off him who put Brandon Carlo on the IL or whatever the injured list is for the NHL for uh, a handful of weeks? Tom Wilson is a multi-time offender in going after players' necks, their heads, their throats even, and just really being that big, tough bully. He is just a guy that is – that's – what he does all right 
unfortunately, he was able to get a goal last night because if he didn't score that goal, completely different game. But, you know, that just fuels him. He's being able to get under your skin, get a cheeky goal, and therefore he's able to have that confidence to go out and keep doing what he does because he's being productive. The Bruins, players like Tom Wilson, Zidane Ochara, Ovechkin, are players that they can keep up with, but for a whole seven-game series, obviously we're going to find out, you know, this week and next week if they're able to do so. But right off the rip, I they just can't because that's not their play style. They're not built like that. Yes, they're tough. Yes, they're strong. Yes, they're physical. But in a completely different, you know, breath. They're a completely different team like I already mentioned. And for seven games, are they going to be able to do that? Come game seven back in D.C. in that third period, are they going to have the endurance, the stamina, the confidence, the optimism to be able to take one more hit and to kind of get that puck you know, to the net or shoot that puck just right the way that they know after taking a brutal beating through six-plus games? I don't know. That's why winning game one was so important for them because that's one of four that they can check off because you need to win four games. It's best of seven, so first team to win four games advances. And now being in the hole... 0-1 to these Capitals who also have home home ice tonight and will potentially have control of the series if they win this game, it's not looking good because the chances are this series will go 7 if you want any chance to beat them in this series. But if you win last uh, Saturday's game, you're up one nothing. It's 2-2 now. If you lose this game, it's not the end of the world because you already had that first game in your back pocket. But if you're able to win this game, then you just completely stole home ice going back home to nothing where you could potentially sweep them. Obviously, I'm getting way ahead of myself because they didn't even win game one. But these are the things that you have to think about when you look back at that loss in game one. Just the series already as we're into game two and not even done with game two could be completely different leaving game two if you're able to pull out that win and the attitude and the mentality and the mindset is going to be the same exact thing depending on the score or the outcome of this game I should say because same thing come late third or maybe if this game goes overtime if you lose same thing as you know that same mindset as game one you know you lost one you could have won it you could have evened out the series or gone up in the series if we're thinking game one but instead, you just took that L. Now you have to go back to Boston. Now 2-0. That's why these away games for you in the um, in the playoffs are so important. Because when you're the underdog, which in this series you are, and depending on the uh, Penguin Islander series, you're going to be the underdog. You're going to be on the road most of the time. So that's why squeaking out a road win here and there is going to be vitally important. Because if you're able to win all your home games but lose all your away games, well, do the math. You're still losing that series because you play only three home games compared to four away games. And I believe the Bruins are back right now. And I'm going to turn my turn myself over there. And I'm not going to give you a play-by-play commentary. And if it sounds a little weird right now, it's because I'm holding, literally holding the mic watching the game as the second period is literally 30 seconds in. And is there a power play? I believe there is a power play. And then the Bruins Bruins are on the power play right now. So this is awesome. Can they take advantage of it? And there's a dead, dead puck. 
So Bruins need to be able to take advantage of the power play because they saw the power play, what was it, three times, I believe, last night, and they were able to capitalize on one, which is awesome. You know, 33%, not the best, definitely not, I mean, definitely not the worst. But if they're able to capitalize a lot more, especially on Craig Anderson being, you know, a 39, 40-year-old backup goalie who's only played four games all season for the um, the Capitals, these are the type of games I keep looking back at the game. I, I got to hold the mic while I do this. <laughs> you know, those are games you're going to be looking back and wanting that game back because game last night where he comes in cold and he stepped up, but you didn't put any pressure on him. And that's one thing you got to barrage him. You have to barrage him with shots. You have to take advantage of A, his age, B, the fact that he's only played four games, and C, he hasn't really seen you. And no, you haven't seen him either, but that may give you an advantage because, like I said, he's older. He's only played four games, and he's not up to speed because this is honestly probably his last stint or his last leg in the NHL because obviously his age, he might want to retire, or he might not even get signed again. He's just a taxi squad goalie for the Capitals as the Capitals are on their fourth goalie this year. I mean, if the Bruins were on their fourth goalie, we'd be looking at Dan Fladar, and we know how that was last year, and he's a young rookie, so... Games like this, when they're on their fourth goalie, when it's tied, whether the majority of the game or at parts of the game, and you have the opportunity to win, you have to come out on top. You need to put shots. You need to barrage Anderson and make him feel the pain from the, your slap shots, your wrist shots, or whatever. And I don't think they did that last night. However, tonight so far, I believe I would say that they are. If I look at the shots on net, um, 20 shots on net through the first period. A um, couple, I think, here so far in the second. But give me more. Give me more. Put 40, 45 shots on this guy. Make him move. Make him worth it. Uh, work for it. Because if you don't, he's just going to have a nice, fun time back there, sitting in between the pipes, making a couple saves here and there. And honestly... I didn't even know who this guy was before, you know, he came into the game last uh, on Saturday. But he was so comfortable in that, just sticking his puck out, a little reckless at times. That's what you have to take advantage of because this guy, you know, he's a grizzled veteran. He thinks he knows the game. He thinks he can do it. Obviously, he wants to be able to do it and, and show the Capitals that, hey, even when um, Vanacek comes back, I could still be the goalie for you guys. So he was kind of having that little confidence, a little swagger himself. But you got to pull it right out of him. And you got to be like, listen, dude, you haven't played all season. This is going to be us. All right, listen, we're not going to let you have the Cinderella story. Not against us. So Tuka Rask has been tested, obviously, in the playoffs. We know what he can be. He's either a lights-out goalie or he's a puddle. A lot last night, he looked really good. And he, I think he just made another good save right now. But I think... I don't think the goals on Saturday were Tuka Rask's fault, not necessarily. But I'm not going to, you know, let him slide and say that he, you know, giving up those goals weren't his fault completely. I mean, they're still savable pucks, right? Any puck really is savable. And though that Tom Wilson goal where uh, Charlie McAvoy lost his stick, not necessarily Tuka Rask's fault. It was more just a breakdown, unlucky stick break, and the Capitals caught, caught a break. But there's a stoppage in play with 16.08 left in the second. And, yeah, Tuka made a nice 
Oh, no, they just didn't get the handle on it. Nice little pass, but they weren't able to get the handle to make a clean shot. TJ Oshie right in the mix again. Dude, I remember a couple years ago, there was some rumors of the Bruins potentially trading for Oshie. This was when the Bruins, well, I mean, they've been needing a right-wing right shot. I believe he's a right-wing right, right wing, right shot. And, uh, yeah, he was. Uh, I think it was like three, four years ago because the Bruins could not win in shootout to save their life. And it seemed like every overtime game that they were in, they were going to shootout. And I, I shit you not, they probably lost t 10 out of 12 shootout games just because they couldn't score in shootouts. So obviously come the trade deadline, I don't know if he was with the Capitals at the time or not. I don't. I forget who he was with. But there was a lot of rumors of the uh, the Bruins going out and get TJ Oshie because he's good in shootout. He's nasty. He's got He's nifty and shifty with that puck, especially in front of the net on a breakaway, which obviously that's what shootout is. And with 15.30 left, the Bruins are you know marching up, putting the puck down in the zone. That first line is out there, the perfection line, as we like to say. I don't know why, but. And that. Okay, they nope, they lost the puck, and the Capitals are going the other way with it. Still trying to keep it in the zone. No offsides. Oh, that's what you'd like to see. So I just completely lost my train of thought because I thought the Bruins were going to have something going right there, but. Nope, the puck is cleared. Are we going to look at icing? And we got icing. All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so yeah, Buffalo, I, I kind of alluded to it just a little bit ago. And yeah, so Kim and I are here in Buffalo, New York, uh, upstate western New York. You know, a lot of people say it's a vibe. A lot of people say it's the middle of nowhere. I'm kind of torn in between about it right now. I mean, I haven't been downtown yet. I've seen a lot of nice little uh, some vibes here and there, but I've also seen the middle of nowhere too when we first got here. But I definitely want to do some more exploring because I've never been out here and I have no idea when the next time I will be here. But really, the reason why Kim and I are out here is because of the card and sports store, Dave and Adams uh, Card World. I don't know if people have heard of it. Maybe, maybe not. But I know for a fact, I think I might have alluded to this before. It is at least in America, the largest card and sports store in America. I don't know about the world. I don't know about the world, but I know it's up there. And I'm so excited to be here, going to shop around, get some stuff, have a good time. Obviously, I will be vlogging, and make sure you check out the YouTube channel. I did post a Boston vlog from Kim and I's trip um, into Boston the other day. And I will also be posting a nice little Buffalo trip. couple probably episodes of that kind of vlog, maybe part one, two, and three. And definitely be on the lookout for that. I'll be vlogging in the car shop along, you know, as out and about in the city. But I'm definitely looking forward to that because it's something I've been wanting to go to for months ever since I started the, this whole ideation of opening up my own sports card and sports memorabilia shop. And it's just something I've really been wanting to go to because from where I live in Rhode Island, it's driving distance. It's like seven, eight hours, which is not terrible. I mean, car ride by yourself might kind of suck. But with, with Kim in the passenger seat, it's not too, too bad. I mean, she's sleeping right now. So oh, she heard me say that. So I didn't say anything bad. But yeah, I mean, there's really no card store or, you know, sports shop that's, you know, to that size or that magnitude that's within driving distance. Like Steel City Collectibles, that's down in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm not going to go down there. There's another one, I think. I forget the name of it. In Virginia. I forget what it's called. But there's another one down in Virginia as well. Like, I'm not going to go drive down there. Although Kim and I did just go to Virginia Beach just a few months ago. 
which I was not vlogging because I didn't have the channel or the podcast started up yet. And do we have a penalty on the caps? We got a hooking call, I think. I'm just waiting for the call. Tripping? Oh, let's go. Taylor Hall stays drawing tripping calls. I think he got two of them called uh, on game one, and he's got another one here in game two. Obviously, I'm just now tuning in on the second period. I don't know about the first period, but let's go. This dude has been playing so well, and when they first dove into the matchup between the Capitals and the Bruins, they were talking about how Taylor Hall was the biggest and best addition for any team that made a move at the deadline. Scoring eight goals, six assists in 14 games or 16 games with uh, the Bruins. Couldn't agree more. He's exactly what we've needed. Right shot, right wing, A talent, like A tier talent. Absolute stud on that second line to help out Krejci. Craig Smith, obviously we did not expect the production that he's been given. David Krejci on the left side of that same second uh, second line. Finally. Finally, finally, David Krejci has one, but now two really good wingers on his left and his right. Usually it's just been on the left side where he's had someone, and the right side has always been makeshift. But he actually has two studs. I don't know about studs. I don't know if Craig Smith's a stud. But Taylor Hall is obviously a known stud in this league. Had a couple down years, but he's definitely showing out and proving himself worthy and kind of looking like that MVP that he was in the 2018, 2017-18 season, I believe it was. So I love the addition there. And that was something I mentioned before the trade deadline, how the Bruins need to go out and get either Taylor Hall or I forget the other names on the list. But I'm glad they got, went out and got Taylor Hall. That's all that matters. So now that the Bruins are about to go on the power play, I did kind of allude to this and mentioned this just you know, a little bit earlier in the episode. But the Bruins need to capitalize on the power play. Power play. Five of your guys versus four of their guys. They're on the disadvantage for the uh, the penalty. Make them pay. Put on shots onto Craig Anderson. You have to work him, make him fatigue, make him feel it, and don't just let him sit there. Don't let the Capitals clear out the puck so you're wasting time on your power play. Right now, the puck just got cleared. Tuka Rask comes out to play it. They're going to pass the puck around in their own end, set up their offense. And here we go again, but it's already been 20 seconds wasted, and they're back in the area. I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to focus. Hold on. Give me a second here. Give me a second. The Capitals, even though they got four guys, they apply the pressure. They're good with applying pressure with four guys. The puck's cleared again. Not too bad, though. But we're already 45 seconds in, and I think we've gotten one shot, if that. On Anderson, that's not good enough. You got to put like five shots at least. I mean, like four or five shots at least. All right. I mean, that's reasonable, right? Hopefully, you got to get one of them to go in. Come on. One more. There we, oh, ooh. Little Krejci, uh fumble by Krejci there. Definitely had the shot if he fielded it cleanly. I love the passing. Come on, get closer. Oh, oh, how do you miss that? Oh, my God. I think he just missed him. I oh, see. I'm a little I'm at the desk here in the hotel and the TV's a little far away. Oh, my God. That's two shots. I believe Krejci had and he missed them both. 
Oh, okay. So is that? That's like three shots now that they just got in like 30 or so seconds, 30, 40 seconds. That's what we need. Put the pressure on. There's 16 seconds left of the power play. Going to get one more rush, maybe one more shot before the guy comes out. I don't even know who went in. Excuse me. I don't even know who went in the box for the ca Oh, my goodness. I got the I got hiccups. Just had dinner, and I apparently ate too fast. I got hiccups now. All right, penalty's over. Five on five. Three, four shots I think you got on Anderson. I guess. I guess you'll have to deal with that and settle for that. Couple good looks, couple open nets that you just kind of miss. Got it. See, those are going to come back and bite you. If you lose by one goal, you could have had one right there. At least had the game tied when you look at the end of it. Now the Capitals are coming out. Oh, they're coming out aggressive. But I'd love how, okay, although the Bruins play style isn't physical, rough and rowdy, you know, going to hit you into the boards 40 times a night, they're able to play up to that level. Although that's not their style and how they want to play, they're able to do so, and which makes them able to compete and stay with the Capitals who like to do that. That's why I was saying earlier, winning game one would have been tremendous. A tremendous... Oh, my God. That open netter was... Oh, that was an oh, empty netter by Pasternak. Oh, he just... Oh, he went to go get the rebound, kick it to himself, and he just whiffed. Just hooked it way left. That was such a good look, too. But, yeah. So, the whole point about winning game one, you know, you know that's one less game that you potentially don't have to play and you don't have to bust your ass in. Because now you know you're going to have to at least bust your ass in four games in order to win four games. Because you already busted your ass in one and you lost one. So that's why I'm concerned that the Bruins will be able to do this for seven games. Six, seven games. Because they can do it for one. They can do it for two. And I don't know. We've seen baseball-like series, baseball -like series in hockey. You know, three games. They could probably even do it for three. But seven? I'm not exactly sure. And we're definitely going to see that in this series. And see how good they are. Or how good they aren't, for that matter. And I do like how, you know, the Bruins are applying the pressure on Anderson as of late in this, you know, first half of the second period. It's been it's been promising. It, it has been promising. Gotta keep it up. Get that shot total up into the forties. Uh, right now, let's see, where is it at? Um, let me refresh this. Let me refresh this. Got all the stats and all everything I need here. Okay, so only only one of those shots counted because obviously Pasternak um, missed the net. I think Krejci also missed the net. And unless the goalie touches it or hits the post, it doesn't count as a shot. So still only at 21 for Anderson, and that's not what you want to see. Like I said, get that number up into the 40s. Obviously, you know that open um, open netter that Pasternak had. That's not technically a shot, but I mean, from our perspective, that kind of is a shot. It just happened to miss everything, so it doesn't theoretically count, which is a little stupid. But I get it because, you know, what is considered a shot and what isn't if you throw that ideology out the window. Capitals got a three on two. Oh, penalty coming up. No, no penalty coming up. Let's go, boys. That's how you play. Break up the play. Get him on the ice. Don't cause the penalty. Oh, so 
real quick while the Bruins are playing, I do want to talk about the Red Sox really quickly. And I've, I've mentioned this a few times in the past, how the Red Sox, their bullpen is very good. It has been very good in comparison to what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be absolute dog shit, and I thought they weren't going to be able to close out games, hold leads, or anything of the like. Red Sox proved me wrong. I mean, let's see. But I do kind of want to talk about yesterday's game against the Angels where Matt Barnes, who's been lights out all year long, gave up an absolute ding-dong to Shohei Otani in the top of the ninth inning. You hate to see that. Absolutely hate to see that. I believe that's his first blown save all season midway through May. So I guess you'll kind of take it if it's your first blown save, you know, this late into the season. But other than that, I really don't have much of a complaint for the Red Sox, for the Red Sox bullpen. I thought I would honestly have a lot more complaints about them. I know I've kind of talked about them here and there throughout the season, but I really thought I'd have a bucket list full of complaints about them. Garrett Whitlock's been nice. Uh, Matt Andresi has been a little bit of a surprise. Adam Ottavino has been up and down, but I think overall he's been really solid. Matt Barnes has been fantastic. Phillips Valdez has been kind of up and down. He's had his cold stretches, his hot stretches. And Austin Bryce, yeah, I'm not going to go over everybody, but those are just a couple highlighted players I kind of want to talk about. Do have a massive series against the Blue Jays coming up in Toronto. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Obviously, they're not playing in Toronto. They're still down in Florida, so you have a big, game, a big series against the Blue Jays down in Florida. Beginning tomorrow, first pitch at 7.37. The oddest, weirdest time. I don't know why it's not just 7.30. But, yep, they need a few extra minutes for the pregame ceremonial mumbo-jumbo. But, yes, tomorrow, down in Florida, Red Sox, Blue Jays for three games. Wednesday and Thursday, also down there. Then they're off to Philly. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But those are just the next few games coming up. Uh, I just had it. Hold on. I just had the standings up. Red Sox in first place in your American League East with a 25-17 and 17 record. And then the Blue Jays, guess what? Right there, one and a half games back at 22-17. and 17. Blue Jays sweep you. They're in first place. If you lose two out of three, they're going to be behind you by a half game. And who knows what the Yankees are going to do because the Yankees, speaking of which, they are in Arlington, Texas. I don't even know if the stadium, the new stadium is even in Arlington anymore, but in Texas. Play the Rangers, who are absolute trash, but you so happen to lose three out of four or something like that to those trash Rangers. So we'll see how it goes. Red Sox, though, they are struggling to play at home at Fenway Park. They're 13 and 12 this year. They're 12 and 5 on the road. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Usually, usually, obviously, you're better at home because that's your home facility. That's your home stadium. You know all the quirks and the kinks and the corners and the bounces and all that. Other teams don't because they only play there a couple times a season. But, yeah, the Red Sox are 13-12 and 12 at Fenway Park so far. And they're 12-5 and five on the road, which is actually a really good sign because I feel like the home performance will come later in the season. And it's good to start hot on the road because road – is typically more challenging to play on, especially when you have to go to Yankee Stadium. And obviously Toronto doesn't is not playing in Toronto right now, but Toronto can even be a tough place to play in at times. Tampa Bay is 
<laughs> don't even get me started. And Baltimore is always Fenway part point two. Uh, I actually gold. Do we have a goal? No, we don't. Just got on my phone a alert from ESPN. Patriots sign Brian Hoyer. The veteran quarterback rejoins former team on a one-year deal. Let's look to see if there's any details written up about this. I am not seeing any. So the quarterback room is now, from what I know, four quarterbacks deep. Mac Jones, Cam Newton, Brian Hoyer. I don't know if Brian LeWork is on the practice squad or not anymore. But Brian Hoyer, let's look him up real quick, see if there's any contract. It's a one-year deal, obviously, but how much? And I do like this. I like Brian Hoyer for a couple of different things. He's a serviceable backup. He's not going to go out there and win you a championship, but he's not going to go out there and go 3-13, and 13, okay? If you need him for a game or two, he can give you a game or two. He plays just like Brady. I hate bringing back Brady into all this conversation, but when you have a guy for 20 years as your quarterback, it's kind of hard to not have other quarterbacks who have come up through your system who backed him up, not play like him. And Garoppolo, Brissett, and even Stidham were a little different. So, But Hoyer was well before all of them, and he kind of is like a very, very poor man's Brady. So is Brian Hoyer back to kind of help teach Mac Jones the system? Because Mac Jones is more of a Brian Hoyer than uh, Cam Newton, obviously. Because Cam Newton is a completely different breed of quarterback. He's 6'6", 250. He's going to go out there, take hits from linebackers, reach for the first down, while Mac Jones is going to sit in the pocket, throw the ball all over the field, maybe scramble for three yards for a first down if you're lucky. So bringing in Brian Hoyer, a guy who knows the system, who's comfortable in the system, who can be very serviceable, I don't hate it. But that just brings really brings up the question: What is the quarterback gonna quarterback room gonna look like week one? Obviously, Mac Jones is gonna be on the roster, being your first round pick. Cam Newton seems to be the starter ahead of training camp, going into week one. Just looking out from a few months out. What about Jared Stidham? <laughs> we just drafted him in the third round a couple years ago. People thought he was gonna be the heir to Tom Brady. That didn't really work out. We saw him play a couple games last year. It looked okay, but it was a lot of garbage time plays where, you know, the other team may not have been really trying. But he still looked okay. He threw the ball very nicely. I think he threw a nice touchdown to Nikhil Harry in Kansas City, I believe. And the Bruins again call for a penalty, I think. I'm so confused. Hold on. So, Connor Clifton got called for a penalty. And they said uh, 43 for Washington something. But I kind of missed it because a truck was going by. So, I don't exact. So, it's four on. Okay, so Wilson and Connor Clifton got the penalty. So, it's now four on four right now for two minutes with six. 29 left to go in the second period. Okay. Okay. Well, at least it kind of washes out, I guess. I guess you'll take it. But um, back to the whole Stidham thing. Bill Belichick isn't going to carry four quarterbacks. 
Stidham is going into year three, so he could technically be on the practice squad. But I think Stidham is good enough to be stolen from the practice squad from another another team. So like a Detroit Lion or a Houston Texan or maybe even a... Um, I'm trying to think of like another crap team that could maybe use a quarterback for some odd reason. I don't know. Whatever. San Francisco, sure. San Francisco even. They could snap. I mean, okay, they have Jimmy G. They just drafted Trey Lance. Is Nick Mullins really going to be a third-string guy? I mean, I guess. Whatever. Anyways, let me get to my point. I think Jimmy – I think – um, not Jimmy G. Jared Stidham is good enough to not be on the practice squad in the NFL. And I think Brad Marshall just got a penalty as we were going to a TV break. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so hold on. Um, Mantha, for the Capitals, just got a penalty. I don't know what it was because I, I was looking at the microwave in the hotel while I was trying to get to my point that I keep alluding to. Um, and then Brad Marchand, I think, hit him in the face with his stick. <laughs> like like the, um, the hook end of the stick. He just kind of like poked him in the face. So I think that got him two minutes. So... I don't, I don't think it becomes three on three. I believe it still stays four on four. It's just those two guys just come off. This series, I'm telling you, is just absolutely nuts. It is so bizarre. And I'm going to love every second of it. Only if the Bruins can win. Because if they don't end up winning the series, it's going to be all for nothing. It's going to be a good series. Yeah, but they fell short when they should have won. Because they have a team to build. I mean, they have a team built to win now. This team is constructed, composed, and built to win right now. You don't have Taylor Hall next year. You don't have David Krejci next year. You don't have Tuka Rass next year. They're all free agents. Are they going to all come back? Don't know. I don't know. Are you going to pay Tuka? Are you going to want to pay Krejci? Are you going to want to pay Hall? These are all questions you're going to have to face at the end of the season, whenever that comes. So while you have it now, take advantage of it and go out and win. That's why I'm saying that this series is huge. This year is huge because right now the Bruins are the closest team in winning a championship out of the four teams, the Celtics, Bruins, Patriots, and the Red Sox. Bruins are the closest. Celtics are dog water. The Patriots just um, coming off a losing season, 7-9. Red Sox had an abysmal season last year themselves. They look good. They look nice. They're you know an upper echelon team six, seven weeks into the season. Don't get me wrong. But the Bruins... They have all the talent on their roster that they need to win. They got the coach. They got the captain. They got the supporting cast. They even have the goaltender when he doesn't vomit on himself in big games. But to lose in the first round, that's not good. Then you have an offseason of questions coming up. Do we pay Hall? Do we pay Krejci? Do we pay Rask? Do we replace Rask? Should we have kept Zidane Ocharo? What do we do with our defense? Because we do have a bunch of young guys. Do we still build and move forward with them, or do we try to add some veteran pieces? What about the fourth line? Because the fourth line, it was, you know, a huge question mark this year. So, okay, it still says it still stays four on four. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that. Oh, wait, hold on. One, two, three. Okay, yeah, still four on four. I just wanted to make sure, because I thought I only saw three guys for each team. But it is not the regular season overtime rules. Obviously not. 
So there's little under a minute left on the first four on four, and then I guess those two guys will come out, and then it'll be four on four again for another minute or so. Obviously, no team has the advantage right now. Brad Marchand is a very good special teams player, both on the penalty kill and on the um, on the power play. Bruins got a little two on two on one right here. Oh, great play broken up by the Capitals defender. I don't know who it was. I couldn't see. Oh man, would it be a great time to get a nice cheeky goal when it's when the four guys are in the box and it's four on four. Twenty seconds left on the first four on four. Bruins trying to make a push here, trying to get a little cheeky with it. Doesn't work. Capitals clear it out. Ten seconds left on the first four on four. Five, four, three, two, one. Bam, bam, bam. All right, second four on four. Four and a half minutes to go. Come on, let's get a goal here. Uh, let's get a goal. Nope, Capitals clearing it out. So let me know what you think. Reach out to me on social media at Murphs underscore Boston ST. Or comment down below on YouTube. Let me know what you think about the Bruins. Do they have what it takes to beat the Capitals in a best of seven series? No, I did not talk about the Celtics because I am not going. I still refuse to talk about them. They are 536 and 36 on the year. They're a seven seed playing in the playing game. That team, with what they have as roster, with their players and their coach, should not be in that spot. And I'm not going to get into it. I hope. Okay, I don't hope they lose. But if they were to lose. Just imagine that rant that I'm going to go on. And you know about my Celtics rants. They go for about 10-15 minutes where I absolutely shred them a new one. And if they lose against the Wizards, oh my God, will I be digging deep into them. But let's just hope not. Let's hope we don't get there. Anyways, comment down below. Let me know what you think. Or reach out to me on social media if you think the Bruins will be able to beat the Capitals in a best of seven series. Me personally, I think they have what it takes to do it. I think they can. I think they will. Should they? That's a different question. That's a different question because you also have to look at it from the Capitals perspective as well. Red Sox, so many games being played in the season. It's hard to kind of really talk about this or talk about that. First place, big series against the Blue Jays coming up. And also with the news breaking about Brian Hoyer coming back um, into the quarterback room for the Patriots, I'm assuming he's going to be on the team to kind of uh, guide Mac Jones, but could he just be here for training camp and then kind of be cut at the end of preseason? That'd be kind of a dick move, but definitely don't put it past Bill Belichick. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Uh, even though I'm in Buffalo, I will be recording and putting out uh, Monday, obviously today, and Wednesday's episode as well. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying and I can't wait to get back to you in the next one for Hump Day. I mean Wednesday's edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. But between now and then, you know it. I love you. And I will see ya.